Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to The Mom Hour. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 396 of The Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. I'm mostly here. I'm at about 70% vocal ability today. Would you just get over being sick all the time, please? It's like, oh my gosh. You're always looking for attention. I know. (laughs) I'm just, I'm faking this husky voice today. Hey, it's Christmas week. I guarantee that of our listeners, I am not the only one with a froggy voice, either from maybe from singing carols and having an extra cocktail, or maybe just like me from catching back-to-back multiple viruses. I hope it's the former, yeah. but most likely it's the latter. And it if it's not you... It's a bummer at Christmas time <laughs> not to be able to sing. I mean, you and I both love to Aww, sing yeah. recreationally, and um, it's happened a few times. I, I lose my voice pretty easily, and it's happened a few times to me at Christmas where I'm like, no, like a small joy for me this week is like belting out Christmas songs in the car oh, or in my kitchen. What about like doing like the Billie Holiday version? Yeah, exactly. Because you've got that nice husky thing going on just take it down an octave and uh see where you go with it i love it alto section (laughs) oh my gosh um we have a fun episode today tell everyone what we're doing it's quite different it is so yeah we are coming into your ears um christmas week to just kind of give you a little behind the scenes peek behind the curtain at at what we not like we are qualified to speak on the state of the podcast industry but the state of our podcast, we can. And I think we'll have some, I don't know, just like things to share about the way this industry works, which I think people will find yeah. interesting. Um, maybe it'll be news to you. And then also just our specific podcast, which in some ways is very affected by the things that are happening industry-wide. And sometimes it's a little bit of an outlier. Like there are things about the mom hour which are not like all other podcasts, just like, I mean, no, no podcast is right. exactly like any other. 
And there are things where we are very much affected by what's going on in the industry or are trying to adjust to, you know, fit in with what's happening. So um, it'll be like a behind the, like a business behind the scenes. Like yeah. We're pulling back the curtain for you. Yeah. Um, and we have done this before, but it has been at least a couple of years, maybe even like three years since we've really done it. And we're entrepreneurs in a rapidly yeah. changing industry. So whatever we said two or three years ago, I guarantee has changed. And we're also in very interesting economic times, uh, interesting times for, like you said, a kind of wider lens media industry. So we have lots to talk about. And um, another little twist of today's episode is we intentionally kept this episode um, without our usual advertisers, um, in part to pull back the curtain a little bit, because advertisers aren't generally um, super excited about advertising the week of Christmas because they think nobody's going to listen. But Megan, I think we can prove them wrong. Um, it's, a, it's and there's a, also some last minute shoppers out there for sure. So exactly, yeah. you know, yeah. traditionally it's been a week um, that a lot of podcasts take off, and so a lot of our longtime advertising partners are like, "Oh, we just don't place ads the week of Christmas because nothing happens." And we're like, "Well, we show up every Tuesday, rain or shine." So here we are. Right. But then we we really decided it also kind of it fit with the theme of talking really candidly about our industry and this podcast and how we make money and what our goals are. So. In a way, it felt kind of appropriate to keep this particular episode ad free. And listeners, we appreciate our sponsors and we appreciate when you um, click their links and buy their stuff. And we'll get into that more today. So um, nothing's changing on that front, but this episode does not have any ads in it. Yeah, which is way different. Way different. <laughs> Don't get used to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. As we'll get into. Um, okay. So, you know, we historically are terrible at lightning rounds on this show. It's become a bit of a joke, but we are going to attempt to start this episode with a quick lightning round, especially for those who have started listening more recently, or maybe pop in and pop out and aren't, aren't tracking super closely with our every move. And so we're going to do a lightning round of what I think of as frequently asked questions about our business and our friendship and we're going to go really fast. You're going to ask me the questions. This is why I think we might be successful, Megan, is because I came up with these lightning round questions, but I'm going to have you ask them to me because I've had a little more time to like think about how to succinctly answer them. And then, of course, I will keep it very brief and you are welcome to unlightning. You can add some rolling thunder. No, don't do, don't don't <laughs> open that door, Sarah. If we want this to be a lightning round, okay. I have to be not allowed. Okay. So I am like putting the kibosh. I will ask the questions. Yep. And that's it. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yep. You ready to talk really fast like the micro machine guy? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Here we go. How did we meet? Okay. So we met on the internet. Um, you were a established and successful writer and had a popular mom blog. I was an aspiring writer and I took your online writing class about how to get published in magazines. Coincidentally, magazine writing was rapidly changing. It really was. Yes. And about a year after that, you invited me to come work for you on your growing mom blog. We worked together um, starting in 2012. And then um, that's how that's how we met and then formed the podcast in 2015. Wow, that was really good. Okay, I won't add anything to that because I wouldn't make it better and you did a good job. Okay. So yay, Sarah. Um, okay, is this your full-time job and how do you make money? Okay, well, I will I will let you um, answer like your, the part of this that's specific to you, but I would say, yes, this business, the Mom Hour as a company 
has provided both of us with a full-time income and we've considered it a full-time endeavor to co-run this business since about 2018. So a few years, that, that to say not from day one, but a few years into having this podcast, it really became our full-time gig. And right now, as of right now, we make the vast majority of our revenue through advertising and sponsorships, which you hear when you hear ads on the show, but might also look like social media um, promotional efforts we do with our partners on social media or other sponsored content here on the podcast. Um, This is my only gig right now. So for me, yes, this is my full-time gig. Yeah, I would mostly agree with that, Sarah. I always do have other things going on, side hustles, sometimes that take up a little more time than, you know, than the usual. Yeah. But this is sort of like the staple. Um, And this has definitely been the biggest revenue and income driver in my household since 2018. So it's a big thing for us. It is. And if anyone's curious, like we do, we have an LLC, we um, pay contractors and have a team that we'll get into. So it also operates like a, I don't know, a legit business from about 2017 on. Um, And there's lots of ways that creative work can be a full-time endeavor. This is also a full-time income for us both, which is wonderful. Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip-On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, next question. Do you go out and get sponsors or do they find you? We get this question a lot, actually. Um, And 
The short answer is most sponsors find us. Um, and that's largely because we've been around a really long time. We've been working successfully with advertisers for a really long time. And we have the fortune of having them find us and the conversations begin from there. We sometimes are approached by an agency or a network or sometimes directly from a brand, um, a brand itself directly. Um, and I think listeners would also be interested to know that when we are approached by potential sponsors, there's a vetting process that probably results in us saying, mm, this is not a great fit for our show. I'm going to say right now, Megan, 50% of the time, I'm going to say like, it's close to half that we say, oh, that's interesting. Thank you so much. We're not interested in, in working with you on the mom hour. It's not a fit for our audience. Yeah. It happens more than you might think. And yeah. I would just add only that, um, well, our experience is that the sponsor is coming to us when we do work with agencies, I know they're pitching us. So yes. there's a whole thing happening on yep. that end that we're not really privy to and we don't have to worry about it. But that is a, a privileged position for us to be in where we have access to like basically a sales team. Exactly right. And and for those agencies we do work with, they are making their money in the form of a commission that they take off the top. So we don't have to um, do the sales effort and they do and they make um, a portion of that sale. Next question. How many people work on your team? This is another question we get a lot because we often reference our team, right? And then yeah. um, as we'll get into later in the show, we added contributors this year. So it can feel like we have a very large team. The operation of our business is you and me as co-owners. Um, we have two team members who are both named Katie and we love them both, Katie and Katie who we consider um, like full team members. They both work kind of a part-time schedule, but they have established roles on our team and they're showing up in our business pretty much every day. So I would say those are our two like team members officially. And then we have a sound engineer that we work with um, on a contract basis. We have a bookkeeper. Um, we have our contributing writers who are absolutely on our team, um, but in a different way, in more of like a um, project contribution kind of way. And then what did I leave off, Megan? Then we have, you know, folks who help us with our business, like um, tax preparation CPAs and a business coach and people that we pull in for subject matter expertise. But I'm going to say that what, what you think of as a team, like uh, uh, quote unquote employees, it's you, me and the two Katie's. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I think our contributor team um, is like its own thing. It's 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 kind of like if you had you're reading a magazine and there were like returning columnists, yeah. sort of like that, but that's a really dated way to put it, but you know what I mean? Um, I also think, and we can get into this later when we're talking more about this industry, but I do think that there is a tendency or maybe like a technique, a strategy, maybe that some really small time solo content creators or really tiny teams employ to make their team look really big when mm. it's not. And I think that can be really intentional sometimes when people are like, yeah, my team did this, my team did that. And I would just, I would just encourage you as a discerning listener or consumer of that content to understand that that might look like a lot of different things. It sure. might be literally one person and their virtual assistant or their husband. Um, it might be like, or a spouse, it might be like one person and some contractors they've hired, but that's not always the same as having like full-time employees. And yeah. so I feel like you and I are always wanting to be so real about stuff that sometimes we probably miss opportunities to talk about the things that we sure. do and like to make our business seem big. Cause we don't want to seem like we're 
BSing. Um, totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about Slack. The, for those of you who don't have any idea what Slack is or don't use it, this won't make sense. But I think a lot of businesses, even big companies use Slack now. And in our Slack workspace, there are about 20 people that we interface yeah. with all the time because we have 14 contributors. We have like a sound engineering te- quote unquote team. We have accounting and finance. We had a CFO we worked with this year. We had a PR team we worked with this year. So yes, if we were in the business of inflating that number, but it would still being honest, it could be 18 or 20 people. Yeah. Yeah. It would be accurate. It would feel to us like a little uh, disingenuous perhaps. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is a fun question. Do you ever fight about business? And I'm not going to answer this one at all, Sarah. Let's see what you have to say. Don't you feel like we get that anytime we do like an ask us anything, people want to know, how do you handle disagreements or have you ever gotten in a fight? And our answer is kind of boring. The answer, the lightning round answer is no, we don't fight about business or personal stuff. Um, I think we have gone so gradually into a very deep relationship that we've we've known at every turn the strengths and weaknesses that we bring. I know like I will just speak for me. I cannot have this life and this business without Megan being Megan. So if I ever am like, oh, Megan being Megan or feel like I would do things differently if I'm by myself, the immediate next thought is, but I can't do this by myself. There is no this without Megan. So to me, that prevents ever like wanting to start something or dig in about something. I just trust, I trust the us that is us. I love that. Well, I'm not going to add to that because I agree in reverse. And um, I can't think of a single fight or even much tension, honestly. No. And it's been a long time. So I think when we're feeling personal tension in our personal lives, we have learned to give each other space and know that this business only works if like also our mom lives and our partnerships. And like, we've gone through big stuff individually. And, um, if we held each other to a standard where you had to show up at a hundred percent inside the business, no matter what was going on in your personal life, I don't think it would work. So that's not a fight necessarily, but there are times when we've had to like maybe adjust the speed of the business because of the other person's needs and priorities. And that's a privilege and an honor. And I I'm here for it. Well, that, and I think too, um, that sometimes you could look at being out of sync as a, as a liability. Here I am totally breaking the rules. I'm sorry, Sarah. No, I know it's, it's okay. (laughs) We're almost done. We did the first four, like pretty fast. That's true. Okay. So you could look at it as like, okay, there's times when one of us is derailed by life and that slows that person down. And maybe that happens to coincide with the time where the other person's really fired up or for whatever reason is able to give things their all. And the person in the position of being able to give things their all can look at that one of two ways. Like I'm annoyed because this other person's not here with me. They're not keeping up. They're not pulling their, you know, their weight right now or whatever, or they're slowing it down. Or you could look at it as an opportunity like because that's happening, I have to now slow down or that means I can kind of like wing it. Yeah. Like I like to do that sometimes. I like to feel like I'm the boss within a two boss yeah. business. And sometimes like there's just opportunities when the two people allow each other to be working at different speeds or different capacities or just able to put different levels of energy. That's just life. And yeah. it, I mean, I don't think we're not robots. And unfortunately, I think a lot of 
the work burnout we're seeing in the light in the world right now and people, you know, quiet quitting or the great resignation or whatever buzzword you want to put on it. It's just people feeling like they're expected to be just robots, like robotic in the yeah. way they show up for work. And it's not how we are as human beings. I will also very quickly say to bring this back to the lightning round that there are lots of times in business decision making where one of us cares more about um, feels more strongly about the issue than the other. And I think one way we avoid disagreements or tension is we just sort of defer like whoever has the stronger opinion often is like the other one's like, okay, that's not a hell I'm going to die on. So it's maybe we're just lucky that there haven't been things where we both feel really strongly in an opposite direction. It just hasn't happened. But there are lots of times where one person might feel weakly inclined one way and the other person feels strongly inclined the other way. And we're like, okay, we'll go with the strong one. We'll go along with it. And then sometimes you end up going later, like, oops, I was wrong. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Both of us. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. All right. Uh, Next question. Whatever happened to that pregnancy podcast? Whatever happened to Life Listened and those other podcasts? Okay, I am Take it gonna, away, Sarah. I'm going to try and be lightning round to get us back on track because this yeah. um, those who have been around for a long time, you kind of already know. But we have um, played over the years, especially in 2017, 18, 19, with kind of um, being a boutique network of many podcasts. And so if you've been around a long time, you heard us talk about other podcasts in the Life Listened family of shows. Life Listened being um, kind of a sister company that we were operating at the same time. Um, There were shows we helped launch. There were shows that we um, developed ourselves in-house. And some of those were called Expecting, Kid Literate. And then, of course, it was like Selfie and Make Light, the Welcome Home podcast, Crunchy Cocktail Hour, some familiar names if you've been around a long time. And the lightning round answer is that All of those were great learning experiences for us. None of them had the momentum and success of the mom hour. And at the end of the day, we are just two people and we've made creative decisions about where to spend our time and money. There's no big backstory. There's no um, exciting breakups, Um, just the ebbs and flows of running a podcast business and not exactly knowing where we're going or what we're doing. Okay. Next question. How big of a show are you? Like how many subscribers? What's your ranking, et cetera? So I don't know if you've ever gotten this question, Megan. I tend to get this question from people in my real life who aren't familiar with the podcast industry, who know that what I do is sort of impressive, like that I, that I have a pretty legit operation going, but want some way, like want to be able to like brag about it to their friend or, or to like quantifiable, something quantifiable. And so, um, I've always, when I explain like how quote unquote big of a show we are, I always say that we occupy a really interesting space where we're much larger in audience size and in operational footprint than most independent podcasts. So we are a, a very big fish of the small fish, but we are tiny compared to shows that are on NPR or produced by the New York Times or major media networks. And so we've always kind of occupied that middle place Um, in terms of a a metric that you'll hear us talk about as we go on in the show is downloads per episode. And a download is is really just a a listen or a stream. Um, And the industry really cares uh, how many people listen to any given episode. 
And on that metric, again, we are big enough to get noticed, but much smaller than the mega shows that are getting Spotify exclusive deals. And so we're in a kind of an interesting middle place in terms of rankings. um, Most of the rankings are kind of arbitrary and algorithm based. So we haven't paid too close of attention to like where we are in Apple um, because there's because that's not an indicator of size. Maybe the listener would be interested in that. Those rankings are not at all an indicator of size. So size versus like, what would you say? Popularity or visibility are kind of two different things. Yeah. And I guess I would add that we did land in the top 10 parenting category on Apple and have kind of hovered around there. Although as more parenting shows enter the arena, you know, we get bumped around a lot. I think that we looked at that and we're like, well, how do we, this means nothing because we don't even know what the other people in like, what are the other nine that yeah. are in the top 10? What's there are, is it that most people just didn't use that category ranking? Like that's a whole yeah. thing that we don't need to get into, but yeah, it's, it's mysterious to us. It is. And I, I, you always hear year after year that there's starting to be ways where you can buy or manipulate your way into some of those ranking systems. And so that's not been a thing we've really needed to pay a lot of attention to, but the size of our audience does impact our ability to make a full-time income to circle back to that question. So the the number of you who listen and who keep coming back and keep listening and tell your friends that we do watch that number. We have to, yeah. we report those downloads per episode to sponsors and potential sponsors. It's something we measure and we celebrate milestones and all of that. So um, we're big for small and small for big. And that's how I usually answer that question. I like that answer. And I would also just say that one thing as we're figuring the the industry out. And I guess now we're shifting into talking more broadly anyway. Yeah. So lightning round is over. <laughs> I've officially called it. And now I'm going to non-lightning. I'm going to do rolling thunder on this uh-huh. next little part. But I I think that even the way, the assumptions that we make about how, uh, like how monetizable our show is or how much we should charge or whatever are sometimes based on an industry standard that like when we're not paying attention because we're busy running the business, the standard itself changes. And then we're like, wait, what? So for example, the fact that our listeners tend to listen to newer episodes in a larger window than what was considered the standard for a long time, we would only report the first 30 ish days of listeners. And then we actually had Katie, um, Parrish on our team, pull a bunch of numbers and we're like, oh, but most of our episodes within the first 90 days are getting like double that. Right. Because a lot of you just don't listen right away. You take your time. And I think that's great. We have a longer show, so it takes a while to get through it. Or, and people are very loyal and will go back and listen to older episodes. And, and while we're seasonal, so, yeah. we're not um, super up to the minute. It's not like right. if you get three weeks behind, it's like going to be yesterday's news. I mean, we, we really try to have mostly content that is like you could listen to any time of year or seasonally recurs every year. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's something that because somebody told us that the first 30 days was what counted. We weren't really paying attention until we paid attention. Then we're like, oh, well, this changes a lot, doesn't it? And I think that the industry that we'll get into a little bit anyway is shifting anyway to where it's possible to kind of get credit for those overall um, cumulative listens, not just who's listening like the moment the show drops. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. Um, As we exit that question, maybe people will find it interesting that in the in podcast land, still this many years into podcasting, there is no reliable way to know 
how many quote unquote subscribers you have. And I'm using giant air quotes. So if you're a YouTuber um, or I guess like it would be like if you're a TikToker or an Instagram or two, like followers and subscribers is a number. It's 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 a pretty like hard and fast number. It's just the number of people who are subscribed to your content. But because podcast is this open source thing where people listen in all different ways on all different apps, um, there is no like combined way to like, no, but how many moms subscribe to the mom hour? That is actually not an answerable question in podcast land. We can drill into like, you know, how many listens for each episode or how many, like what percentage of our audience listens on Apple versus Spotify, how many people follow us on Spotify. But that's good. That's a much smaller portion of the total audience. So it's just interesting. It's an industry where metrics have been slow and are still sort of murky in a lot of categories where you would think, oh no, that's just a number you must know. Exactly. And I do, um, and Sarah, I'm not sure that you answered like specifically about the number of listens that we are getting, but it's, it's over 20,000, like in the first 30 days and then going beyond that. It goes up and up from there. Exactly. So tens of thousands of people are hearing every episode we put out, which is, an again, like an incredible honor. We um, crossed 10 million all-time downloads last year and are approaching 15 right now. So there's some, there's some big numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, you started to kind of lead us where I wanted to go, Megan. And, and that is, let's just talk a little bit about the industry as a whole. And I would love for you to just give your high level take on where we are at this moment. And by we, I I kind of mean content creators and podcast industry folks, but you can also interpret that. However, you have a lot of great observations about content creation and media, and you have been professional in this sphere for 25 years. Oh, well, 20, more like 20. Oh, you're right. I made you 50. I'm sorry. You made me 50. Sorry. I'll take it. I'm really tired. It's all right. It's all right. So yeah, I I believe my very first like paid piece of content was actually in 2002. I think that was okay, when so it was published. Years. So 20 years. Um and then I started doing, you know, content as like a full-time thing by like 20 like 2004 was kind of when I was really full-time and like really taking it seriously and I do think like it's so cyclical. I've now sat and watched a couple cycles play out where a new platform becomes a sweetheart and there's like a gold rush. There's like a, um, a moment in time where if you want to be a player in an aspect of the business, that's not creating content. So say it's the ad sales or the tech piece or something Mm -hmm. like that. There's a moment in time where there's a lot of speculation and movement happening in that space. And it can be a little confusing for the content creators among us. I think that I actually just recorded another podcast a little earlier um, interview with my friend, Kate Hanley, who has a podcast called How to Be a Better Person. And we were talking about like, how do you know what lane to stay in? What What is my lane? I like to veer into all the lanes. I'm like on a six lane highway at all times. And I'm like, ooh, I'm just going to like pop over to this lane, see what's going on. And you've seen me do this, Sarah, multiple times. Like, oh, maybe we should be an advertising network. Let me like go in that lane. Eh, Nope. And I think we always come back to personal storytelling and content creation is is the main lane with like diversions into other lanes. And I'm saying that because that's that's not if you actually just want to be a business person who is adjacent to content, that's not the same as what we do. 
Right. Um, we would have made very different choices when we had like life listened, say back in the beginning, if what we really wanted to run was a tech business or an advertising business, it would have looked extreme. The choices we would have made would not have been content first. They would right. have been model first. Right. And I just think you and I never wanted to do that really. Like we would play with it. We would dabble in the idea. And then ultimately we'd be like, yeah, but it didn't feel right. especially for what we had already built with the mom hour, like building on top of that, it felt like too big of a responsibility and it feels too personal. It feels too personally wrapped up. So it makes me think of like when I was pro blogging. So I started my, I mean, I blogged all through the early two thousands, but I really jumped into blogging with both feet when I started the happiest mom, which is in 2009. And that really kind of took off in 2010. And very similar. I was not a huge player, but I was well respected. Mm -hmm. Um, I had good contacts. I was known as what's considered brand safe content, which <laughs> you and I are brand safe content. We don't, we don't cuss. We don't slam people. We don't, you know, we're just, you're safe. You can listen with your grandma. You can listen with your two-year-old. Right. Yeah. And so that's like a really good place to be. What it doesn't necessarily always do is scale when the industry starts to get crowded. Right. Um, or, or to become like, um, an overnight darling, like a, exactly like the social media stars or the TikTok accounts that go from zero to, yeah, that you're right. Because of like the sort of evergreen, safe, predictable, um, showing up and doing the thing, serving yeah. your people, like all of those were important to me back then. And they're important to you and I now yeah. together. I think that's why you were attracted to my content. That's why we worked well together. And that's why what we've built together has been so great because right. we're aligned there. It's like, show up and do the thing. Be authentic. Be honest. Don't, um, don't follow the algorithm to the degree that you forget about why you're here. Right. We're not and, chasing um, hot take parenting stories or. No. Yeah. And, and, and there's yeah. still ways to do that. That's not gross, probably. And people who've been very successful. It's just not what we've done. It's just not what we've, I think, concentrated on. And we don't like gimmicks. I think we're both allergic to anything that feels, we've talked about this a million times in the show, um, anything that feels gimmicky or like exploitive of other people or ourselves, like where we're oversharing as a, as a strategy. Yeah. I just, it doesn't something, it does not appeal. So what that typically means is slow growth, a very loyal and steady but relatively small-ish, or if, if not small, then like not going to, like our audience size grows every year, but it's not like, plot. if you plotted it on a chart, you wouldn't say, wow, look at this, like, for, you know, um, venture capital right. would not be excited about our growth. It's not fast enough. It's not extreme enough. Yeah. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So um, anyway, I guess, so there's that. There's what I think is happening in the industry and like you and I together as content creators and moms and people who are in this space. And now we're coming into a very interesting economic time where the podcasting industry has matured or is, I guess, maturing. There's a lot, lot more players in this space, which is great. You want more players because that gives everyone more credibility. It lifts the boats for everybody. But that means that when you're in an economic, an economic downturn, as we are right yep. now, whether you want to call it a recession or not, the ripple effects hit us just like anybody else. I mean, it doesn't really matter how much our best and favorite advertisers love us or love working with us. It doesn't really matter how much our listeners love listening to us. Yeah. If the economy, if the economics of it don't work for the person who would spend the money, then it doesn't get spent. And then that affects our bottom yeah. line, I guess. Yeah. Which it means it affects our job. It does. It does. Um, and I caught an article um, in a industry newsletter that we read that talked about um, NPR canceling their longtime long established summer internship um, and making a bunch of cuts and layoffs and some other big, big media players in the podcast space um, dealing with layoffs and cuts right now. I think it's going to continue in the next few months, likely um, in terms of podcast industry, uh, I guess, like tightening up. Um, and that will directly affect advertisers, like you said, booking ads on our show. We're a sales oriented. We have a sales oriented revenue model. I, I mean, I guess everybody does. Everyone is selling something that you buy, but our advertisers book ads on our show anywhere from a few weeks to several months in advance. And so it has been interesting to see like at the macro level, the headlines about the economy and about ad spending. And then at the micro level being like, well, yep. And then talk, checking in with our friends in the industry. Yep. This tracks like yep. we yep. are, we had um, a really after a little freeze in early 2020 in the first few months of the pandemic, like Q2 2020, after that, we had, um, I feel like a, um, a, like a Wall Street person. We, but we really yeah. did have like six quarters of really, really strong revenue and growth. Um, and that has ceased. So we are just like any business owner, we are experiencing in real time um, what's happening in the economy. I guess we just wanted to kind of like say that out loud. Be, yeah. 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 It's been, it's been striking. And I guess I would say, it, there's there's a something about our business that makes that fine. And there's something about our business that makes that that is a downside, I guess. And so the thing I would say that is a downside with our particular business is we're not all that diversified. Yeah. Part of that has been because we've concentrated so much on the thing we know everybody wants, which is the podcast, right? So we haven't put a lot of effort into building out other revenue streams. Yeah, um, and you let and me I, pause yeah. you real quick. So like for 
if you're keeping up at home, like when we say we're not very diversified, like really 90% of our revenue comes from ad sales right now. Yeah. And there are other podcasts out there who have a thriving Patreon. Sarah and Beth actually have a great episode where they did a um, deep dive on the industry. I'll link to that. Um, and they are equally from pantsuit politics. Pantsuit from, politics. Yeah. Sorry. That was yeah, like sorry. implied. Yes. Um, Sarah Stewart Harland and Beth Silvers from pantsuit politics. Um, our peers in the industry, really interesting commentary on the podcast industry that I will link up. But their model is like equal parts or even more listener supported. And so when you hear listener supported, it usually means something like Patreon or subscribing directly, paying your podcasters directly instead of listening to a bunch of ads yeah. or a combination of both. So I just wanted to pause because it's such an important point about our business is that yeah. for better and for worse, we have been um, really almost completely ad supported. Yeah. And I think, I think that that has been intentional and I hadn't really ever thought about it this way, but you and I both are working to what our capacity is because, you know, the number of hours we can or want to put in to this specific business, which does limit what we can do to it because like you can't have 17 different, you know, revenue streams. Um, if that means you're taking away from the one that's working yep. to start these other ones and now everyone's working yep. 70 hours a week. Neither one of neither one of us wants to do that. And I think for me, I've diversified my personal income stream yeah. through other things. Now that's an opportunity because that means if you needed to diversify your income stream, you could do that too, but you don't have to. You can just work on the mom hour, which stays contained and right. manageable. And for me, if if things are getting crazy and I need to ratchet back, I can ratchet back to just the mom hour and not have all these other things going on. So I think it gives us a lot of flexibility. It just means that there's a moment where it's like, oh, shoot, now yeah. the mom hour is not going to it's not going to cover my needs anymore. Like it's not going to help me pay all my bills. How how do I expand and then contract? I think that's an opportunity as well, because it means we're not going anywhere. Like right. we're not we're not depending on the mom hour to be a cash cow for it to continue to show up and make content for you. If next month the revenues were a third of what they were, well, it could that actually could very well happen. Um, if they were a third of what they had been, say the same quarter or the same month last year, we'd go, okay, well, our team's not that big. We don't have to make any huge cuts. We don't have to like not, do a huge round of layoffs. We don't have a lease on a building. We like, don't have we, a lease on a, a building. Right. Yeah. right. Um, we might make some choices about the way we spend our time. We might try new few or fewer new things. We might do a little less content than we otherwise would, but we're not going to suddenly be like, well, this business just didn't work out. We're gone. And I think that that's, that's a real benefit to the way we've done things. So being so sort of not diversified and then not growing too fast has also made us really stable. And we made almost no money for the first three and a half years we did this or whatever, two and a half years. So it's not like that's what we started it for, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. Um, I do think this brings up an interesting point about, you know, I think a lot of moms in our listening audience are consuming a lot of content that they might not even like really think about where it's coming from. You get a little on Instagram over here. You get a little on TikTok over here. You listen to a yeah. podcast, you watch a YouTube channel. Um, I do think I am starting to notice, and I think our listeners will start to notice that creators are going to have to start to look for different and new ways to monetize their content because the advertising industry is like many, many industries is um, changing right now and is 
you know, being affected by the larger economy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw your favorite creators, not even Megan and Sarah at the Mom Hour, but other people selling an ebook here, monetizing a course there, um, putting some of their content behind a paywall, jumping on a Patreon. Um, and I guess I just bring it up because um, there's a little bit sometimes of an attitude of like, oh my gosh, now I have so many subscriptions or another person's asking for money over here. And I guess like that's where you and I as creators are generally are like, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of free content still available. You don't have to buy people's ebook or course or anything. Um, and you 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 don't even you can literally unfollow them if they're if there's promotional efforts aren't aren't your jam. So I guess this is like a little like don't be surprised, listeners, if your favorite creators start to look like they're trying to make a buck because guess what? They are like they are. trying. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because that's this is a job for many of us. And I think you're right. Like when I say the mom hour didn't make a lot of money the first few years, I had like multiple full time jobs during that time. Um, So it's not like I personally didn't need to earn money. I just wasn't at a point with the mom hour that where that's where I was able to make it. It still had to get made. And, um, I, yeah, if someone's too promotional for or self-promotional or whatever, for your liking and you don't love their content, that's one thing. And it, you know, I have people like that, that I end up unfollowing or just, or maybe their content just isn't my jam anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I just got, I outgrew it. I got bored of it. It's not my thing anymore. Whatever. That's fine. But sometimes, and I know it's probably a tiny minority, but it's really hard when you're in our position not to hear those voices louder than the majority or the silent majority. Um, There's a minority of people who are like almost like offended by the mere existence of commerce happening. And it's kind of like, well, guys, I mean, this is how this works. Like we can't spend 30 hours a week or more on something um, taking time away from our families and all of these things just for the fun of it. Like there has to be some monetary (laughs) recompense happening. And this is the way that happens. And I think sometimes it's just either not understanding, just ignorance around how the industry works, not understanding it, but like people don't really pay for stuff on a, as much. We're not used to it. We're used to getting things for free. And, um, or paying like a small amount for Hulu or whatever yeah. at the beginning of the month and getting access to all this content. Well, a lot of that content was created and paid for some other way. And now Hulu is just like getting a slice by having massive numbers of subscribers. And guess what? Those streaming it. services are in economic trouble too. They're, exactly. They're right. going to be yeah. looking for more ways to make a buck. So yeah. 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 So I don't know. So there's that. And I feel like Another thing that kind of goes along with that, that I guess I would just, you know, I don't know of all the people listening, I have no idea what percentage of you out there are like, well, obviously, Megan, of course we understand that. And which percentage you're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. And then which are like, no, never mind. I don't believe you. I don't agree. You should do this because it's a passion project or whatever. I guess I have no idea what proportion (laughs) is which, right? I will just say that I think Every now and then we will get a comment or a review or something where it seems as though the person on the other end has lost sight of the fact that we're human beings who are allowed to grow and change and who have monetary needs and who, um, I don't know, like, like a feeling of entitlement around it mm-hmm. that I don't mind if someone just doesn't like the show or if they think that an interview is bad or like they don't like our 
viewpoint on something or like the way we talk. That doesn't bother me. We did get one not too long ago where it was basically like I've been listening for years and the show used to be really good. It was like a lot of practical tips. Um, and now it's just too navel gazy or something like that. Like too navel gazy. I don't like the content as much anymore. And that's all fine. I guess I don't really see why you need to come back and leave a review. Uh, just move along. That's fine. But the part that really bugged me was like at the very end, it said something like, I guess you can't just crank out content forever um, and still have it and like keep it all the same. But I guess I would prefer quality over content or quantity. And I thought, well, okay, but that's not how this works. We can't just decide one day that we're going to be like, you know what, actually, we only have two good episodes that are within this person's preferences this month. So that's all we're going to do. We're just going to do two. That's not how this works. Like, we can't do that. People have expectations, not only you all as listeners, but our business, um, our brand partners have expectations and things that we've contractually obligated, we are contractually obligated to do. And you and I are human beings who are changing. Right. right. Like, spoiler. So if you don't like the navel gazy and you want us to do tips on potty training forever, I just don't, I don't know that that's, that we can do that. Like, I don't know that we can deliver on that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, we need to be okay with that. And I guess if it's not your cup of tea, that's okay. But like, that's just reality. Yeah. It is just, I mean, even the the most um su- wanting to be supportive um comments we get often are in direct opposition to each other so we will yes. we will hear from people <laughs> like my kids are getting older too like i don't need the practical tips anymore i love it when you just come on and do a more than mom and just catch up about your lives and in the same minute we will get an email like the more like the review you just mentioned which is like you don't need to talk about your lives. Like give me the, how to get my baby to sleep through the night. And we're, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that comes back to the, the people pleasing nature that we both have in different ways of like, we want to give the people what they want, but also like we're, this is, um, this is content based on like our real lives. So there's like, right. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, that actually kind of is a good segue into talking about some of the updates we have made in the last couple of years and where we're going into 2023 to the degree that we know, because honestly, recording this in December of 2022, we don't have a 12 month plan Um, because recording this at the end of uh, 2022, I can just honestly say we have not yet done a a whole lot of visioning for 2023. I mentioned um, Sarah and Beth from Pantsuit Politics earlier, and we were talking with them not that long ago. And Beth said something about like, she always struggles when people ask her for like a three to five year plan for her business. And she's like, but this industry changes every six months. How do you even make a plan? And that was like so validating for me because I have sometimes felt like, gosh, do we know where we're going in the next couple of years? And it's like, this industry doesn't know where it's going in the next couple of years. So we can update you all on some of the growth we've experienced in the last year or so and what we hope uh, in the more near future. Um, and I, as I was kind of thinking about this part, Megan, um, it occurred to me, I don't know if you agree, but I kind of think of our eight years at, in the podcast is like some eras. Like we've, we started in 2015. I think of like 2015 to 2017 as like an early mom hour era. Um, and then I think of like 2018 to 2020 as like a big shift that really was yeah. when 
we got legit. We were making a real income um, and all of that. And then COVID. And then I actually think that 2021 and 2022 as a pair of years have been like kind of a good two year chunk of a lot of newer growth and changes. So it was kind of cool to see it broken out like that. Um, So that's what this kind of last part of the episode will be about is like, what have we done the last couple of years and maybe where we're going? Um, But I don't know. Do you do you kind of like do the eras track with you when I say it that way? Yeah. And actually seeing it laid out that way was nice and kind of comforting in a way because it's like, okay, like you can see that each little era wraps up and moves into a different one. So maybe 23, 24 might be like the the tough times, the tough times era, but you never stay in one place for very long. And that's why when we were talking earlier about how ultimately flexible our business model is, which makes it very sustainable because it's not going to make or break either of us personally or like an investor isn't going to pull out or whatever. Right. We don't have any spoiler. Um, so we can just kind of stay the course and like ride out whatever 2023 and 24 look like. So I do agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we got a little taste of that in the early pandemic times of 2020. It was, a, it was a scary time to be a business owner and we definitely had different kinds of conversations, but I do think we weathered that and kind of even saw growth on the other side. So we can hopefully cling to that as well. Um, but I thought I, as I was looking at this, I realized you came out to visit me here in Santa Barbara in May of 2021. So that's 18 months ago. Um, at the time we had not seen each other in person in a year and a half. We were yeah. over a year into COVID and it was that time in COVID where vaccines were rapidly rolling out. You and I were both newly like fully vaccinated. Um, yes. it, the weather was warming up. People were starting to travel, but we had not gotten together in person in a year and a half at that point. And that was now a year and a half ago. And a lot of the things I'm going to list off here, and then we can maybe like banter about a few of them really were launched in that May 2021 and then happened in the second half of 2021 through 2022. So I'll just kind of like quickly list them and then, yeah, you you jump in where where you want to like elaborate. But we made a big decision to start growing our contributor team. And we'll circle back and talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But growing the team, including a couple of hires plus onboarding 14 um, contributors we kind of reorganized our very small, very narrow org chart and divvied up which areas of the business we individually kind of oversee. That happened in fall of 2021. We also did a visual rebrand, completely new logo and visual assets in fall 2021. In 2022, we made some big reinvestments in like grown-up lady professional services, like new CPA firm, um, a CFO who came on for a while a publicity firm. Those were big, big reinvestments in 2022. We also, back to the Life Listened conversation, we really clarified the entity that is the mom hour. We finally updated the name of our LLC and we we kind of um, like shuttered or shut the door on that whole Life Listened side of the business, which had created some like clutter, some mental clutter, uh, entrepreneurial clutter for us. Um, And then this second half of 2022 has been a lot, a lot of very in-depth conversations about like what is kind of the 
longer legacy we want to leave? What are the what what does this look like when we're in our 50s? Like what we don't have a business plan that details that, but we have like I guess an emotional um sensibility for what's important right now and then also like how do we create a little bit of a legacy with this business? So all of that has been in the last 18 months. Yeah, that is crazy. And I have some thoughts just hearing you rattle through all that. Yeah. I know we also want to talk about what's coming. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'll let you do that. And then I just have something I want to say. Well, yeah, in terms of like what's coming up, I actually think it's more of a continuation for what listeners have probably noticed. And, and that is mid 2022. We, the contributors had been with us for some time. They'd been writing articles for our blog and we'd been getting to know them, but we really, and this is actually late 2022, like this fall, we really um, started to bring on those voices onto the podcast more intentionally and more often. So if you're if you're listening closely, you've noticed you've heard a lot more non-Megan and Sarah voices gradually over the last year, but probably even more in the last three to four months. Um, and that is very intentional. Megan, when we grew our team, we were very clear that our for this podcast to continue. Um, we need to be able to, to include and represent different motherhood viewpoints. We were clear about that, like from the very beginning, honestly, but the, the idea to do it, um, in this kind of team format, um, solidified in 2021 and then has been happening over the last year and a half. And, um, it's not about like us not wanting to be on the mic as much. Although some days there is some of that since we're being really honest in that, in this episode, it's more that you and I, like you said, are just two moms. And we've talked about the eight kids that we have. And there are so many different perspectives on motherhood that we were not able to authentically represent between the two of us. So I feel really good about how this has evolved, um, gradually. And I think listeners can expect to hear more from the contributors on the podcast even more as we move into 2023 because um getting to know them and and their families and their strengths and their writing and their podcasting um has been we have purposely taken our time we don't move fast yeah. here at the mom hour um but it might start to feel like oh now I'm getting to know Kia now I'm getting to know Jennifer um because we we really are enjoying elevating those voices and making this less about the the Megan and Sarah show. Yeah. And I think it's so fun to look back and say, okay, so when we first started working with like a business coach back in 20, I think we decided that was 2018. I think so. Um, and made a maybe. 2019 and mm-hmm. made like a, you know, a five-year plan looking out or and when we met again in 2021 to start kind of like kicking off some of these changes, we've eventually done all the things we've said we really wanted to do. Now, of course, there's crazy ideas that stay in the crazy idea. Megan has a crazy idea. <laughs> category and haven't moved off of that yet. But I mean, when you and I have said, this is a priority, we're going to do this thing. We do do it, Uh but it takes us a really long time. And I think that's a real strength. Actually. I think that gives us stability. Um, and it gives us like sustainability. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it's also, I guess for me personally, been a really, um, like meaningful way to grow our business and, and, um, a responsive dynamic way, like we talked about earlier of allowing us to have our, our personal lives that are happening at the same time. 
Um, Something else that is extremely meaningful and extremely tied to the decisions we make and how we choose to grow and not grow um, are our peers in this industry. And I know like, I think the podcast industry is very generous in general about shouting each other out and rooting each other on. But I just wanted to use a little bit of airtime here to shout out some of the specific people that we keep in pretty close contact with who like really are there for these nitty gritty like insider questions and check-ins with each other. So um, we have a little mastermind group that takes place on Voxer of all platforms. I guess that that's not surprising because Voxer is an audio platform. We're all podcasters. Um, It's not a super chatty group, but when someone has a question, everyone is so generous with their answers. So in that group are Kendra from The Lazy Genius and Meg from Sorta Awesome and Laura Tremaine, um, who just came back with her 10 Things to Tell You podcast and has a a bunch of other things. Jamie from the podcast, Ann Bogle from What Should I Read Next? Um, And then, of course, Sarah and Beth from Pantsuit Politics. That is um, like sometimes I look at the names in that group and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like these are heavy hitters. And um, to be able to, I guess, like ask each other questions and cheer each other on is so much fun and so helpful to us. Um, we also chat regularly and keep in touch with Amy and Margaret from What Fresh Hell and Stacy and Megan from Didn't I Just Feed You. Um, Megan, I feel like you and Amy Clark have like your own private mastermind. And then I have something similar with Kelsey from the Girl Next Door podcast. We kind of have like our individual people we check in with, right? Amy is the only person I Marco Polo with. Like I got on Marco Polo just for Amy. I love it. And we talk a lot and she's, she's like such a wizard at some of the stuff I'm not so good at. So I feel like, um, I'm always bringing you little tidbits like, Ooh, Amy said this or that. And then we can have fun conversations about it. So yeah. Um, and then life would just not be as fun without Christine Co. Um, our dear, dear friend and like entrepreneur extraordinaire. Talk about somebody who like stays the course, but also jumps on opportunities and does it all with humor. That's Christine Co. Um, I don't know. I just, uh, this is a year end type of episode and I, I don't think this industry, especially the women led organizations and companies in this industry would be the same without taking time to, um, I guess lift each other up. That sounds corny, but you know what I mean? Well, it, it applies. Yeah. Um, you know, having hearing, like just sitting back and listening to you talking through some of these things that have been happening over the last few years, and then hearing you rattle off that list of names of amazing um, colleagues that have been so helpful and who put out really great content, really helpful content, really meaningful content. I mean, it really just gets me thinking that I think often, and maybe this is something, even if you're listening and you're not a podcaster or a content creator. Maybe you have a, some other kind of small business or just something you'd like to start. I think there can be like a temptation to downplay our own impact. Um, we're not, you know, a multi-million dollar company that's got a, a board of directors. And, and I think sometimes I can internalize a little bit of a feeling of like, well, where, how do I dare? Or like, where do I get off expecting that anybody would help support me in this way? Or like that, you know, um, that they would think it was valuable enough to pay money into someone's Patreon. And we didn't even get into like all the ways that stuff helps us and, or might not. I'm actually working on an article about ways that you can help 
support a creator, which I hope we can link in the show yeah. notes for this, because I think there's many ways. It doesn't have to mean spending money. It could mean as simple as using someone's promo code, um, taking that five minutes to go find it and for that 50 seconds to go find it mm-hmm. and use it. But I guess sometimes I can get a little bit like, well, I'm not like a legit business. Like I'm not on the same rank. I'm not the same rank as a Hulu right. or an NPR or whatever these other things are. So I should just like take what I can get. And if people listen, um, then that should be good enough. Or if like, don't send me hate mail. That should be good enough. But think about the content you create from these small creators and how much of an impact it really has on your life. Um, I have several that I follow who truly make a difference in my life in a way that Netflix does not. Right. Yes. <laughs> just going to be honest. Um, Netflix is great entertainment, but they are not changing my life. This yeah. is not the same. And I think it's so hard sometimes when we're the little, the little guys running the smaller businesses not to downplay our own impact or we feel like it's, I don't know, arrogant, but it does matter. What we're doing does matter. And I hope it matters to the people listening. Yeah. Yeah. And I think every time um, you as a content consumer take a, any kind of little action, like you said, going to find a promo code, sending an email, like leaving a nice comment. What I have noticed is it doesn't matter how big somebody gets. You could be Beyonce. You could be like, I don't know, the biggest pod, whoever the biggest podcasters in the land are. Now, um, the the comments that sting are going to sting and the ones that remind you that what you're doing matters are going to feel good. So it's not even about size. And I guess all yeah. that to say is like a huge thank you to those who do that and send us nice notes um, that like there is no size at which that doesn't help us make our day, make our day <laughs> yeah. in like a touchy feely, yeah. warm, fuzzy way. And also um, help our business, especially when it's in that like, like comment, share, subscribe, tell a friend. Yeah. Like if you think that that is um, just a thing that creators say it is because we have to, and it feels gross, but it actually matters, I guess. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Um, I am so sorry for my hoarse voice today, everyone. Um, but well, you made it, and that's just the reality of when we put out a, a show without a break for eight years. Yeah. Sometimes one of us is gonna be a little hoarse. That's exactly <laughs> right. Um, this is Christmas week if you're listening, but if you took Christmas week off and you're catching up, I'm glad you made it to the end of this episode. Um, next week, which is Tuesday, the twenty-seventh of December, we will be back with a pretty normal, regular, um, full length episode with ads as normal. Thanks for using those promo codes and supporting our sponsors. Um, I guess Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. You got anything else, Megan? Nope. Happy. Well, not happy new year yet, but happy getting past this week and, and we'll see you next week. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the mom hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And Hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it. If you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life, you can also find us on Instagram at the mom hour chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. 
Well, you know, I am fan number one of the teas made. It's got such a cozy vibe and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines and home and family life. Just look for the teas made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if mom, our listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. 